Welcome to Postwave. We're here with Eric and Trevor, and we're also here with Alex White today. What's up, Alex? Howdy. So, Alex, this is your third time on the show? Yep. Right? And uh, tell us a little bit about yourself for people who, who maybe don't know you. Uh, I'm an artist from Colorado, and uh, I am super into sort of collapse stuff. I've been getting a lot more into like farming and that sort of thing, like about trees. Uh, I've recently uh, started the initiation, like year-long initiation process for becoming a druid. And like one of the uh, requirements for that is like you plant a tree and nurse it to health and you make three changes to uh, sort of help the earth. So like I'm going to try to become vegan as one. The Uh other is um, I'm going to start a garden and... Yeah, I haven't really figured out the others, but that's sort of like who I am is like an artist that's focused on like environmental environmental issues and just kind of um, trying to talk to people about it and get them to think about the world a little bit differently. But, you know, that's awesome. I had no idea you could get be like certified <laughs> as a druid. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you can be a priest eventually. It takes a while though, probably like six years. Is this like a, a particular religious organization? Uh, it it can be religious for you, like it can be spiritual, but it can also just be like uh, like you can be an atheist druid and stuff like that. Um, mm. it's really just practicing sort of rituals and uh, kind of going back, like the guy that was really a big part of doing the American order of Druids, John Michael Greer. Uh, he's super into like occult stuff and about how like the Masons and other organizations like that were more of like a social support network for people. Cause mm-hmm. like how those kind of got eroded in our society. Um, a show that does a really good job of kind of portraying this is lot 49 on Hulu. Like uh this guy like finds a fraternal order and kind of uh, just comes to realize that it's just kind of having people there for you on your back, you know, like while also mm-hmm. including sort of spiritual elements and personal journeys and stuff like that. That's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. I think that can be a really valuable thing that we don't, necessarily have very much of in our society just like a community of people who are looking out for you yep yeah so today we're we're gonna be talking about uh, like alex said collapse which is like the kind of the decline of, of modern civilization in the the context of the the texas power grid catastrophe that happened a couple weeks ago ba-boom So we're all going to die. So we're all going to die. <laughs> no matter what, it's just... Yeah, it's interesting that that's something that we kind of just lose track of, that fact that one day you are going to die and everything you know is going to die. But it's, it's like always true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if yeah. Uh, people are more aware of it when they're more like, 
when they had to interact with the wild more mm-hmm. or when things were less developed like definitely or or if they were as aware of it like when it was pretty much just as developed like in a roman mm-hmm. type situation but it's still like less interconnected and like aware than we are today yeah that's uh um hardcore history did a thing on that which he made a really interesting point that like today is the only time in history where humanity has not had an intimate daily connection with death going back like 200 years like just that's something people were familiar with and had had frequent experience of yeah i mean but like what through what context i think probably actual bodies yeah is one way seeing corpses a uh, higher mortality rate for other things like disease mm-hmm. and uh, violence mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. I guess, I mean, the, the thing that we have now, I mean, like we have car crashes, which I feel like are the, the main thing that that's true. people think about in regards to death that are just can kind of like randomly happen, you know, basically at any point. And so I, I don't know that that's like, that's like kind of where I, I feel like it kind of is most prevalent in modern society have you ever been in a car crash i've been in i was in like a fender bender not like a really bad one it, it was no one got hurt it was i just felt really stupid because it was my fault <laughs> but um <laughs> um but yeah i mean i well actually I, well the other thing that happened was i was uh my tire blew out when i was on the freeway and it could have been really really bad mm. but somehow the tire held enough it just got like ripped up it held uh together enough that it, it wasn't like a catastrophic catastrophic blowout but i was going like 70 in like the far left lane of, on a freeway jeez and yeah so mm. yeah i don't know i think about that a lot <laughs> <laughs> for sure kind of like a near-death experience mm. yeah i mean i i i guess it, i i slowed down enough like because i heard like thudding first and i was like okay something's up i'm gonna slow down and put my hazards on or whatever and then it like just totally got ripped up mm. yeah that's wild but like super rare though right like how 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 many people can say that they've had like a near-death experience like that i, I know i haven't yeah but i mean i guess not necessarily like directly experiencing it, but everyone knows someone who lost someone in a car accident or or someone who was in like a really serious car accident i feel like yeah that's true like it's i think you're right that yeah we all do sometimes have these experiences that remind us of that fact that that we are one day going to die mm-hmm. yeah i was in a car wreck one day when i was going to get a cast taken off actually and yeah it totaled the car that we were in and kind of banged up my tuba a little bit too. And like, if we had been like a second later, it would have like completely T-boned me. Wow. Like on the passion passenger side and Shit. the guy like ran too. So it was like a hit and run situation at the same time. Jeez. That shit wow. was pretty wild. Mm. I don't think i've ever seen even seen uh like a fatal or near fatal accident except that i just have this vague 
almost like a dream memory of being very, very little, like, I don't know, three or five or something like that. And seeing this woman lying in the road, and I think I was on Martha's Vineyard and I think I was with my dad and the woman had, uh, she was like wearing short shorts and she had been on a motorcycle that had been smashed. And I just remember staring and like seeing her leg was like, I, I think like her up, her thigh was like bent, like it was clearly broken. And I was just like mm-hmm. looking at that kind of just with like a sort of detached interest, you know, of a, that, that sociopathic sort of energy that little children have uh (laughs) verifiable uh they've done studies on this shit kids are sociopathic Uh, (laughs) and i remember just looking and seeing this lady and everyone else around me is also looking and i think there's like an ambulance coming and then very very shortly uh, after looking my dad was like getting in my way so that i couldn't see and I was just thinking, well, why can't I see if you, you're you looking and everyone else is looking? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that sociopathy thing is interesting. <laughs> like, what, what, what exactly is the definition of being sociopathic? Because it's different than being, like, being psychopathic means that you have no, uh, you can't, can't experience compassion or you can't experience, like, empathy or something. Is I think that... the term sociopathic is uh, not recognized either i think it's more like antisocial personality mm-hmm. not recognized how do you mean like uh it's just a term that they don't use oh. uh within like the dsm and stuff like that i don't know about like uh if it's similar in child psychiatry but mm. i just know that within like the diagnostic statistics manual they don't use sociopath they use antisocial disorder personality disorder Mm. and i think there are even things like um there's you know stuff where you're just kind of apathetic towards the world and Mm. uh sort of some i mean some like uh forms of depression i think can get so severe where you just kind of have apathy Mm. and don't really uh experience emotions or anything like that yeah i don't know though yeah i just, I just looked it up as uh, sociopath the definition is as you were saying uh, someone who has antisocial behavior as well as a lack of conscience it said yeah and where that might show up with kids is like they haven't developed like full empathy for other people yet like mm. and i know one thing that kids usually lack is like object permanence so like you put the pee under the cup and they like don't know that the uh, oh, I might be getting this wrong, but like they, then the pee is gone. They don't know that the pee is still under the cup. Mm-hmm. They just think that the pee has disappeared, you know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> okay. So I said, yeah, I looked, at, I looked up too. So, uh, the difference is that a psychopath doesn't have a conscience, um, but they both lack empathy apparently. Mm interesting yeah so that's interesting which and like i think kids gradually like build their empathy yeah right because through interacting with other children and yeah you know other people being socialized definitely because because naturally there's a, a certain point as a young person 
coming into existence that you have a, a realization of the fact that you exist and but 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 with your sense of what you are is uh you uh separate from everything else you know you are the only thing that exists mm -hmm. for sure which is true in a way right maybe <laughs> <laughs> i don't know but then you can like look at the forms outside of your perceived self the, the the forms that present themselves to you as other and you can recognize the similarities between them and yourself and then postulate that hey maybe they actually are the same thing as me yeah and they're having an experience that that's just as as like detailed and rich and, and all that yeah, stuff. yeah exactly i wanted to bring it back to a couple things that uh like talks about being prepared or uh when things just kind of happen uh because it makes me think of two things and related like being related to uh preparedness is like you don't really know when things like a car accident are going to happen or when a tire is going to be blown out so it's good to be prepared for that sort of thing mm. but it's also like it mostly makes me think about sort of the destructiveness of cars in themselves mm. do you know what i mean like rather than having to prepare for a blown out tire what if we never had to prepare for that again and just stopped using cars mm. <laughs> yeah you know what i mean yeah i mean cars cars are like i think people forget how destructive they are like how much energy there's there is involved like at at every moment you're driving it's just kind of an insane if you if you do you know the mm -hmm. like the uh force equals mass times <laughs> acceleration equations for for everything it's like the, the numbers get really big really fast mm. yeah 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 it's like yeah you're right that's that probably the one place where we come really close to death on a daily basis driving being yeah. in traffic yeah and it's only because because everyone is is like being very alert and like looking out for themselves uh ideally that that like it's able to work but there, there's so much like yeah I mean, if you just think about the idea of like two you know on a narrow road like two steady streams of cars going in the opposite <laughs> direction like it's kind of you know it's kind of crazy that like it's kept in that perfect order mm -hmm. at all times yeah yeah i always think like what ha what would happen if just one person in, in the oncoming lane just had like a muscle spasm in their arm or something just yank right. that wheel and whoop. And then there's just the sort of general entropy of cars too, like the fact that they're burning all of that fuel mm -hmm. and releasing all of that greenhouse gas mm -hmm. and putting all of that uh, sort of pollution into the air and releasing all of that rubber from their tires mm -hmm. into the water streams. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like they're just this kind of uh, <laughs> like pinnacle of human destruction and like chaos and energy mm. yeah i wonder a lot if if like if there is intelligent life on other planets if they have hydrocarbons the same way we do and they like use them for energy the same way we do probably because i mean it's like physical phys just physical properties right like they yeah but they i guess would discover the same things as us eventually 
Yeah, but isn't it true that like, I mean, isn't oil like literally dead dinosaurs? Like it's organic matter that was like, you know, it's like hundreds of millions of years old. It's been compressed by by geology mm. to become this like hydrocarbon fuel. I mean, it's like it's plant matter too, I think. But um, mm. like if the bi- biology on another planet was different, like maybe that wouldn't happen in that exact way. And maybe they would have other hydrocarbons they could use. But uh, it's just, I mean, on, on like on Titan, the whole planet is hydrocarbon lakes and stuff. So mm. um, yeah, depends. <laughs> like if uh, oil would be made on other planets too. Yeah, and you're wondering if 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 it were, would they use it? Yeah, or would they would they naturally invent like I guess like wheels and cars and and then planes and and spaceships? It seems like a, the natural progression, but because I mean, it's like the only reason we used it in the first place is because it helped us like farm better and helped us with you know mining better mm. and stuff like that. Because right, because we were mining like coal and all the all sorts of other stuff, and then we figured out combustion with the steam engine and then like 200 years past that we discovered oil and we're like holy shit this stuff's gold mm-hmm. you know yeah. we can yeah we can burn this and then get energy returned like mm-hmm. double anything else that we do so mm-hmm. yeah so speaking of fossil fuels maybe it's a good good time to transition to our our main ish topic for today which is the uh great texas power grid catastrophe that happened uh starting on like valentine's day for like the 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 couple weeks after that um so for for anyone who doesn't know i i trevor live in austin texas i've been here for about like four years at this point went to high school here i've been here for a long time went away to school in colorado and came back but most people have probably heard about this at this point but there was like a gigantic cold front that moved into texas and it was like nine degrees here or something stupid like that which never happens and the state's electricity grid which is separate from the entire rest of the country because texas completely failed well I, actually it didn't it was very close to completely failing but what happened was that a bunch of people were like left in blackouts for for like multiple days Um, and for me at my apartment, like the power went off, like, uh, it would have been like after midnight on the, on the 16th, like I I woke up that Monday morning without power and then it was off for like at least four or five days. And I had to, I had to go to friend's parents' house and, um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, rough. (laughs) (laughs) So, wow. I mean, yeah, it sounds like that sucked, um, now, I'm curious because you, you, you call this a catastrophe. So tell me, this is a two-part question. One, what was the actual net like impact of this event in terms of like damage to people and lives and live, livelihood and stuff? And two, what could it have easily been? Okay, so... Let me look up the exact number of deaths because I, I actually don't know what it is right sure. now. Sure. Um, and this is this is kind of like a mixture between natural disaster and also like human failure at the same time, right? Yeah. Okay. So I don't know about throughout Texas, but in Travis County, which is where Austin is, uh, it was about. It sounds like they're processing like sixty-four cases or something that they're trying to determine whether it was from the storm, but it's it's 
possible cases of people I, dying yeah mm. so this would be like things like uh people getting in car accidents because they don't know how to drive on ice and that kind of stuff yeah i think it includes that i think i think the main one i mean people were people were also like just freezing in their homes really like it just yeah because i mean after like i got that cold yeah yeah I, I only stayed in my apartment like one night after the power went out um and so I woke up like Tuesday morning after the power had been off for about like 36 hours and it was like 45 degrees in here mm-hmm. and it was like 12 or 12 or 20 degrees outside some, somewhere in that area. And, um, I know, I know I have some friends who said it got down to like the thirties in their apartments or houses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, so that's like low freezing. Yeah. Like people just froze in their homes. I heard stories about people trying to burn stuff in their houses and like, dying from like um carbon monoxide uh-huh. poisoning too yeah same so yeah same thing with like like people just like charging phones in their cars or like sleeping in their cars or trying to stay warm it's like yeah carbon carbon monoxide poisoning was a huge huge thing yeah, so that's fucking crazy yeah um and so, so eric i think you also asked like how bad could it have been yeah. right so they they They've said uh, ERCOT, which is the the Electrical Reliability Council of Texas, I think, is the is the organization that's supposed to be managing things so that this doesn't happen. They said that we were like minutes away from uh, like a complete power grid failure that could have lasted for like weeks or months, which is just insanely scary. Like I literally do not know what would happen if you know if that were to to be the case. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like it would have been like a, a mass exodus from, from Texas for like everyone who could. Yeah. I was, I was could, curious. I could afford probably. to do that. Yeah. Did, did you yeah. see, was there sort of a, a mass exodus just from the little bit that you had? I don't think so. Cause I mean, the thing was like at the same time, everyone's power went out, like no one could go anywhere cause the roads were so bad. Cause they didn't have the, the infrastructure to deal with the roads. Right. And, and then it like, you know, it was cold for a bunch of days, but then it would like get a little bit above freezing and stuff would melt and then it would freeze again. And then it would snow on top of the, the stuff mm-hmm. that had already frozen. And yeah, it just like compounded worse and worse. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't think a lot of people could really get out of there. I mean, like, you know, there's, there's the, the Ted Cruz thing where he just went to Mexico, but I think that was, I think that's it just was, like a political stunt, right? Like that was like to, like it was distraction from everything else that was going on. Oh, you think? Who knows? I'm just speculating. Yeah, ignore that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I don't think they intended for anyone to find out about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. So just to talk a little bit more about ERCOT. Um, so, like I said, Texas's power grid is is separate from the entire rest of the United States. Like, there's a there's basically like a west. Western U.S. power grid and an Eastern U.S. power grid, and then Texas is just like on its own. And apparently, that actually was uh, well. It's been that I think it's been that way forever, but they, it's also been like deregulated heavy, heavily, and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of that was done in like the late '90s by none other than George W. Bush, which is interesting. But of course, the idea mm-hmm. is to you know give it all to private corporations and let them you know fight it out amongst themselves and and handle things that way and uh by deregulating it a lot and something similar happened in 2010 didn't it 2011 i think is what i've were you there for that i 
I must have been. I don't remember. I don't remember anything really. I should ask. I should ask my my parents about that. But I yeah. I don't. I don't really remember anything like super crazy happening in 2011. But I know here in Colorado, they were telling us to like conserve our energy mm-hmm. to like help with the whatever is going on there. Oh, really? I don't know. Yeah. I just heard that secondhand. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Cause I, I thought the deal was with the, the Texas power grid that it's like in, in, in either the Western or the, the Eastern U S power grid. Like, you know, if, if one area is, is, low on electricity then the other areas could kind of help support it but that wasn't the case in texas because it's not connected so i I, they they must have had like some ways to get it in but it it was probably pretty restricted yeah and i guess yeah one other one other thing to mention kind of along the lines of of kind of along the lines of fossil fuels like we were talking about is that oh okay this is this this whole thing is so it's so stupid It's, it's really stupid but almost immediately after this stuff started to go down, like our governor, Greg Abbott went on Fox to blame like renewable energy for everything oh my God. <laughs> and said it was all like the, the windmills, the windmills freezing and stuff. And, <laughs> and you know, the, the, I won't go into the actual, actual percentages, but, but renewable energy is such a small sliver of the, I mean, it's, it's like a, it's like a fairly, I mean, Texas does have a lot of wind power, but in terms of percentages, um, what actually caused this whole thing to happen was natural gas pipelines freezing mm. because yep. they just weren't, they just weren't like set for the weather. And like, you know, wind turbines, there are wind turbines in like Antarctica. Like there's, you know, they, there are wind turbines that are, uh, effective in, in all weather. It's just Texas didn't have them cause no one expected this to happen. Mm. Yeah. Or they expected it, but just didn't do anything about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause like this is this is stuff that like disaster preparedness people like it's their whole job to do this. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have if you have people that are trying to privatize everything and save as much money as possible on every little step, rather than investing in it in the first hand, then you get things like this mm-hmm. happening, mm-hmm. which seems like it's going to keep trending that way, you know. But who knows maybe things will like turn around like and things will stop being privatized and there will be kind of like a big uh government and like people stepping in and having control of uh like the energy grid rather than a private company like because i know that california has had issues with this too because they're like gas and energy companies are all private and some of the decisions they make are against the best interests of the communities that they serve and uh, disasters end up happening. But if the communities that are actually affected by these things could make decisions on them, then, you know, maybe um, things like this wouldn't happen. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. I, I just had this idea like in, in the moment, but, but we, we talked about uh, universal basic income at some point and like, what if the first step towards that was just like water and electricity are free. Mm. Like they're mm-hmm. just kind of like human rights that everyone should have. And so 
Yeah. Like maybe that could be like the first step to something like UBI. Same with housing, like universal basic housing. Yeah. Because yeah. it's possible. It's just like the, I don't know, people just want to make money. <laughs> yeah. Like housing and land, like land is so privatized and commoditized that like the steps towards decommodifying the land is like where everything will kind of fall into place because then you can decommodify the relations on the land. Mm-hmm. And I got that from Kelly Akuno. Um, who's, he runs like a cooperation in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. They're dealing with the freeze right now. That's really similar to what's happening in Texas. Oh yeah. And, and um, yeah, he, he kind of views it as a way like this as like a, the foundations for conscious raising, mm-hmm. like a consciousness raising, like people becoming more aware of the vulnerabilities of their life and what they can do to remedy that, like mm-hmm. how they can prepare personally, but also how they can take control back from the state who has been helping out like private interests and um, trying to individuate people and break up communities. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that, that sounds like some interesting stuff. Do you have like a, a source for that with, with more information that I could read about? Yeah. Um, Kelly Akuno, just look up cooperation Jackson. He has like a website. If you guys include a link to him and I wrote a little article about him cause he went to this class that I was in and, um, he, I, I like included a lot of that in the article. So cool. If you're enjoying what you're listening to so far and you want to support us somehow, there's lots of ways you can do that. You can go follow us on Facebook or Instagram or visit us online at postwavepodcast.com or send us a nice email at postwavepodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on your podcasting platform of choice. We're on pretty much everyone out there. Give us a nice review if you're on a platform that supports that. Thanks for listening. this book sitting here with me too that i think everyone should get a copy of it's um the sas survival handbook the ultimate guide to surviving anywhere by john lofty wiseman Hmm. it's this guy that was in the british special special air services for 26 years and like it teaches you Uh, basic skills like basic survival skills like reading the weather preparation essentials like a pocket survival kit Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm just going to go through a list here of all these different things that like you could skill up on personally Mm -hmm. Um, like finding the best location to make a camp constructing appropriate shelter organizing camps staying warm creating tools knowing what food to eat and what to avoid and where to find it and how to prepare it like first aid, um, emergency and wilderness medicine, including how to maximize survival in any climate or when injured, mm-hmm. and disaster survival, how to react in the face of a natural disasters and hostile situations, 
and how to survive if all services and supplies are cut off. I think that one is probably the most relevant to this situation. Yeah. And then just like self-defense and security and climate and terrain, wherever you find yourself. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of valuable stuff. Um, I, I've been thinking about how lucky I am to be on this island here because uh, it's a small island where there's a lot of prey animals and no predators except for humans. Um, it's, of, of course, on the ocean, so there's access to fish. Um, and I and because it's separate from the mainland, uh, my biggest fear would be in the, in the case of collapse, um, you know, mass exodus from cities of desperate, violent people trying trying to get by and uh, you know there's going to be roving gangs of criminal uh, I, I don't want to say criminals because there wouldn't be law rather uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> just people willing to do anything to survive yeah who knows if that's like a realistic scenario too or if that's like just like our worst imaginations mm-hmm. you know yeah like I feel like it's going to be more of a gradual decline over the next 10 or 20 years. Like more things like this energy grid failure are going to happen. There could be like one event that just like kicks off sort of like a chain of things that end up going Mm. bad. Um, Like if the energy grid there actually failed, um, that could have put it like a huge strain on everything along with COVID happening. Like, I mean, I think we're in the collapse, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like the way that, uh, there are just these little like events that we're not prepared for and they keep popping up and, and it doesn't really seem like we're redirecting any of our resources towards trying to prevent them or be prepared for them even. So it's like we're in a collapse and uh, yeah, we're just kind of, we're living through it. This movie Nomadland that came out recently, I think is a good mm. example of that. Oh, I think I heard about that like on the radio or something. Right. Yeah. So we're, so we're in this situation where, so, 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 so going back Trevor, so what would happen or what could have happened if the, if the grid did go out for like a month like you were saying maybe you'd have mass exodus out and i don't know i can't see that happening without just like massive massive traffic jams for like days after days right yeah i know it would have been insane i mean like so so the other thing that yeah so so one thing i've been thinking about a lot with uh in regards to this texas power catastrophe and, and collapse is like just how interdependent everything is and so like the first thing to go after the electricity went was like the water supply mm. and I mean wa- water supply because of like broken pipes and also just because like the the water treatment plants I think like they need electricity and, and natural yeah. gas too and it's like <laughs> you know once one thing starts to go it it just really really cascades and uh so yeah I think I think if it had been like months like yeah people are not going to stick around for months without power or electricity or, or even weeks like if we knew it was going to be like three weeks i would imagine that like most people would try to get out somehow mm. yeah yeah 
and so and so when you have that like sort of backup that traffic jam and water failure and stuff you're gonna get people dying of thirst starving you know like yeah like i i guess i guess what i'm saying is that it it it's really clear that if you do have a high concentrated population like any big city and then you have some some sort of failure like that then you know you you are going to get to that sort of disaster movie place where just like extreme misery and violence is going to happen yeah everything is in very like fine balance even though we don't realize it Mm. just because there's there's so many people that rely on so many other people in such a complicated way that that if and it's just all it's all kind of working like clockwork but if one major part of it or two major parts of it get just kind of completely destroyed or thrown out of whack then it, the whole system is just going to not be able to support itself mm. anymore yep yep yeah and I, so so one other thing that i think we get to talk about is is like how this relates to climate change mm-hmm. because any you know same thing with bad hurricanes like no one can really say oh yes this was because of climate change because like this this kind of thing happened in in 2011 happened in like 1989 i think but this is exactly the kind of thing that climate scientists have been predicting and it does it does have to do with the like the weakening of the jet stream and and the yeah the jet jet stream slowing down and getting wobbly and and that creates the the opportunity for the polar vortex to to descend further to the south yeah it's like lowering yeah yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of people who are who are scared about like the jet stream stopping completely and like ocean circulation shutting down. Um, Alex, do you know, do you know a lot about that? It's getting weaker. Yeah, like uh, that's about as much as I know. Mm-hmm. Is that that's a real possibility for it to just kind of stop one day? Yeah, it, it has to do with like obviously like the oceans and and the, the atmosphere are like intimately connected, right? So so like yeah. when when ice melts in the at the poles like it's it's fresh water and so it uh makes the ocean less salty and also i believe salt water is is less de- salt water is more dense than than regular water i believe so um it'll you know it'll it'll mess with mess with the uh the the currents in the ocean through that as well mm. and so yeah and so it's possible that like this whole ocean uh like i forget the names of the the exact names of the currents but you know there's all all these ocean circulatory patterns in like the atlantic that basically make it so that you know the uk doesn't totally freeze over even though it's that far north Mm. like there's there's currents to bring basically the warm water up from the like around florida like up towards greenland and then you know across the um across the ocean to to europe um and if that shuts down it, it's going to be it, it could possibly be like a second ice age type scenario mm. maybe not quite that bad but it would it would be it would get really cold yeah it'd like flip everything yeah. and that's happened before too i think yeah what has what, it I, I don't know I, sorry, sorry go on yeah has has that specific thing happened there like the the ocean current circulation just kind of like shutting down i don't know i don't know if that's what's happened i I'm just remembering that there was some like polar shift or something like that. Like the poles. Mm, right. uh, yeah. Yeah. Went from one side to the other. Oh, 
I think that's a, that's a totally different thing. That's like the yeah. that's like the magnetic field, which is also bad. But um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I think could happen yeah, as well. Yeah, it's one of those things that happens periodically. Over, I, I forget how frequently, like what every couple hundred thousand, couple couple million yeah. years or whatever. And I I wonder if like human interference has anything to do with this one. Um, I I doubt I, demons could affect I would, that. I would doubt that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a, it's a natural process that's been going on for like since the planet was here. So. Yeah, and I think we're like overdue for a swap any, anyway as well. Although I don't know, maybe maybe five G. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. So then, what happens when the ice caps melt? Because, as I understand it, right, isn't it? that the more they melt, the less they are able to regulate the Earth's temperature so that they begin to melt at a higher rate. So what happens when they disappear? <laughs> so, yeah, so there's something called the uh, albedo effect, which is uh, if there's a lot of ice, it reflects a lot of sunlight, and so the Earth absorbs less heat energy and it stays colder. So there can be like a runaway effect where if you get less and less ice, it reflects less and less heat away and the, the planet keeps warming up faster and then we all die something like that you know <laughs> doesn't that have something to do with the blue ocean event too what's that blue ocean event uh, i think it's like when there's no more ice like oh. when the siberian ice uh stops refreezing mm-hmm. um and so that whole albedo effect sort of kicks into high gear like um there will be no more ice and then like all sorts of other stuff just kind of uh tips over yeah i mean the, the albedo effect would be stopping because the albedo effect is like the reflection yeah i'm gonna look it up right now yeah the main consequence of an ice-free arctic is that the dark blue ocean open ocean is much less reflective than sea ice which leads to significantly more solar radiation being absorbed additionally there's a latent heat effect and like it's sort of set in that it's going to happen at some point it's just when mm. yeah like I'm, we're definitely going to see like the first ice-free summer in the the arctic like fairly soon right from what i yeah. understand really yeah the yeah. estimates are like either sometime in the next like four years is serious yeah the next yeah, it's pretty, pretty crazy. Fuck. That's definitely one of the uh, uh, scarier events that'll happen. Um, like when we see that happen, it's kind of like, oh yeah, we're toast. And wait, so does that mean like the ice caps will have melted off in f- five years? Well, during the summer, and then they'll they'll freeze again in the winter. But but once they get to no ice in the summer, that's there. It's going to be way harder for them to to grow back. Mm. in the winter yeah damn so how about the algae blooms <laughs> what are those trevor weren't you talking about this uh was i so so as as i maybe i read it somewhere um it's so it's the idea that because we're extincting so many creatures uh especially especially plants plants and animals uh, at such an alarming rate that at a certain point you have a lack of biodiversity 
to the point where a ecological collapse is likely to happen because the ecology becomes vulnerable to uh, things like changes in temperature, pH, uh, other invasive species. And so uh, most of our oxygen or a very large percentage is produced by algae blooms in the ocean. And with climate change, that could instantiate a mass die-off of the algae blooms so that the atmosphere loses like 50% of its oxygen production. Damn, that's scary. I, w I was not aware of that. It must have been someone else you were talking to. Yeah, it must have been. When is that supposed to happen? Uh, I don't know if that's something that's like slated to happen or just like something that might happen. Uh, I'm going to see if I can find a source for that. Can we play a little bit of some music? Do you know? I mean, like uh, we've, someone we've, else's song. Uh, <laughs> discussed that. <laughs> like we were, we were going to do like a whole like mu favorite music episode. And then, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I got kind of cold feet on, on including, cause it was going to be like, you know, like seven different artists all at once. But uh, what, 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 are you, what idea do you have? I just wanted to like play the end of this Quelle Chris song, uh, Mirage. I don't know if you guys mm -hmm. have heard this song. It's a, it's just like a spoken word thing. I mean, I could just read it. Um, cause I mean, I think it's pretty relevant and it's pretty interesting that this is in like some sort of underground slash mainstream slash, I don't know, type of rap. Yeah. Yeah. If you just want to, if you just want to read it. Yeah. It feels good to be back. I spend most of my days now in my garden growing food and medicinal plants and shit that we smoking on now type of thing. I'm pondering the next moves, you know what I'm saying? Like, what the fuck is going on around here? We all know something is, you know, around the corner. And we feel it in our souls. It's manifesting itself in our art, even. The movies we make are largely dystopian, post-apocalyptic. I think we're all just trying to make sense of it somehow. And that's cool. Sometimes it's just beat em seasons. Predatory capitalism and all the isms, you know what I'm saying? And everybody's fed up, and people don't know what to do. And we make our art, and our art is beautiful. But art is also the truth. So we know, you know. Come on, you know. You know, you know, you know. So what are you doing about it? Most people's just waiting for something to happen without even preparing for anything, you know what I'm saying? Right now, Ukraine, power off. Venezuela, they shut the power off. Just this week, 44 million people, South America, power off. That's how we start modern warfare nowadays. We just cut your power and your internet off. Give that one week without the little faucet running and your little water coming out and your refrigerator not being on and shit and your diabetes medication not being cold and you asked out. Make your actions, make your, make your actions match your ambitions to survive. You need to get ready like we are. That means being in shape. That means being in touch with your ancestors and your spirituality. You feel me? What's going to come to pass is what's going to come to pass. All that voting and all that shit, you can do that. That's cool. But that ain't going to stop it. It's already on the way. You know what I'm saying? Just buckle up. Have a good time, you know? 
Security is largely a superstition. It does not exist in nature. Life is either a grand adventure or nothing, baby. Go have your adventure, because I'm having mine. That was beautiful. Damn. Yeah, that's pretty good. Who's, who's that again? That. Big Sen. Big Sen. Yeah, B-I-G-S-E-N. I tried looking him up one day, and I couldn't find him. <laughs> I'm wondering if it's just like a made-up guy. <laughs> what, I don't know. What, where, did you, where did you hear it, though? Uh, Mirage. Quelly Chris and Chris Keys, and uh, Earl Sweatshirts on the track, Meryl Garbus and Denmark Vesey. Oh, okay. Okay, so uh, so back to the algae blooms. Uh, so I just looked this up, and so this source on OceanService.noaa.gov is saying that yes, uh, fifty to eighty percent of the oxygen project production on earth comes from the ocean mainly from oceanic plankton drifting plants and algae um but uh, it also says that the majority of that oxygen is consumed by marine life and what will happen is um you you get these situations where the oxygen producing plants die off and it creates what's called hypoxia which is dead zones where all of the marine life just can't breathe and dies yeah haven't trees started to like put out carbon now too to do what like they used to be uh trees used to be carbon absorbers but now they're like reversing that because they can't hold the carbon anymore Oh, is that true? There's like, here you go. Here's your carbon back. I had not heard of that. Yeah. yeah I hadn't heard of that either. Is it maybe, could it Could it just rather be that because we are doing so much deforesting that we are uh, releasing the carbon that they store at a faster rate than they store the carbon? It could be. Yeah, I'm not sure what uh, where I saw that. Yeah, there's also the the methane hydrates, which I think we maybe talked about last time. Yeah. Yeah, which is basically like, at a certain point, there might just be a bunch more methane released into the atmosphere from, I think it's like, is it from the deep ocean and also like the permafrost? Hmm. I hadn't heard of that. Like the permafrost is melting, so the methane is like coming out. Yeah, I think it's also in the ocean though. Like, didn't the calthrate gun like go off or something? Oh, or maybe it's a dud. I don't know. I'm looking <laughs> up all this stuff. Yeah, I think honestly, like my takeaway from sort of browsing the collab subs and trying to think about all this like scientific stuff is I don't know shit about that. I'm just going to try to focus on being of like a healthy body and a healthy mind and mm. like skilling up. <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean because it's like mm-hmm. uh what else what else can i do really i mean trying to learn mm-hmm. about all that scientific stuff it's cool it's cool but i don't think it's really going to help me in the end i mean yeah. knowing, knowing it and being like prepared will be good but yeah and with any of that stuff like we've, we've talked about this a lot with like deciding what side of certain scientific debates you fall on like there's there's almost no way that you're going to get to the level of people who are like in the field and actually debating these issues. Yeah. 
so like you at some level you just kind of have to decide who to trust and like you can you can read a bunch of stuff and like it's it's good to be as informed as you can but at a certain point like there are going to be people smarter than you with more knowledge about it saying both things and you kind of just have to you know do your best yeah go with your gut yeah i saw i saw a thing that the you know the easiest answer is to act Mm -hmm. like figuring out things to do Mm -hmm. and it really can be as simple as just trying to get a clear head in the midst of all the Mm -hmm. chaos you know definitely learning how to meditate or going for a walk or whatever (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, your, your physical wellness has so much to do with your ability to think clearly. Dope. Dope. Cool. Thanks, guys. Marijuana. Yeah, yeah totally. Fun. Great to have you. <laughs>